everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Unlimited Abundance. Today, I have a very special guest, Brittany Johnson, or Venus Rising here on Instagram for an amazing discussion. So Brittany, do you want to kind of introduce yourself and give a little bit of background on you and your work? Yeah. So I'm an evolutionary astrologer, and I work with women primarily I hold space for trauma and womb healing. I'm a doula. And um, I really like speaking on the body and the correlation between our body and healing it from the inside out, the traumas that we carry within and how those correlate even with our astrological chart. So uh, the whole as above, so below, as without, so within. So yeah, I feel like we there's just so much to to this space and talking about womb healing. And I know that right now, like in our society, in our culture, we really see a rise of people speaking about feminine energy, right? But sometimes it kind of gets stuck at that surface level, right? Of just thinking as the feminine as as just maybe just just rest or just yin and not really kind of understanding the deeper almost like feminine technology, I guess you could say that we have in us, whether that's magnetism, whether that's our natural cycles and really learning how to reconnect with that kind of ancient part of ourselves can give us so much uh, more freedom and clarity. Like kind of like you were speaking about already is when as, as within, so without, as above, so below, right? So the things that we see in our lives when people have various issues manifest in their lives, whether we see I don't know, things like endometriosis or so many other issues, right? There's usually something a lot deeper. So can you speak to like, if someone was going to begin reconnecting with their feminine essence, where would one even kind of start? And, re- and really what would that kind of look like? Right. So in speaking on feminine essence, uh, I believe that even the masculine or men or those biologically born male have that aspect. And so it's really just not gender specific, especially within astrology. We speak masculine and feminine a lot. Um, So let's just speak on those born with a womb or uterus ovaries, right? So working with those individuals uh, that call themselves women or feminine Uh, when we speak on the actual organs, I'll just kind of break down what is womb healing. Mm -hmm. So we're speaking towards the uterus and the ovaries and this, you know, what we call like the basin or our bowl down here at the lower abdomen. And so when we speak of the uterus and womb healing with um, metaphysical anatomy, we're speaking of the inner world Uh, the way we feel about children, our own inner child, protecting that inner child within ourselves, and how we feel about actually holding, caring, providing for another human life. And not all women come into the planet wanting to have children, and that's okay too. So endometriosis, when it comes to metaphysical anatomy and womb healing, of course, it's scarring of the uterus. So think of it as a shield being formed around one's uterus, you know, protecting that inner essence, protecting that inner world. And then you move up to the ovaries and you think about those are the feminine equivalent or female equivalent of testicles. And so that's going to be more of the outer world representing of how we view our outward environment. So when we look at, once again, in metaphysical anatomy, uh, we speak to the ovaries, say, you know, you have cysts on them. That's just overgrown mounds of rage and frustration. And women can absolutely, through inner work, herbs, somatic practices, non-invasive technologies can heal those uh, cysts and lessen them. And that's been proven as well. So you have this mirroring from within ourselves and our thoughts and our traumas and what we store with the womb and how that reflects outward. And you can also go in if you uh, are somewhere or in a position where you can speak to your mother about how you were born and how you came into the world. That's also really important in the womb healing process as well. Yeah. So 
like there's so much kind of like you're saying how every every kind of thing that materializes in those areas that even in the rest of our body right has a, a deeper cause and I feel like in our kind of like western society those two are removed right we see like the two removed like oh someone has this disease or this issue and when you even go into a doctor's consult I always make the joke they don't even ask you like how's your life are you happy (laughs) those Mm -hmm. kind of questions are never asked when it starts so 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 much deeper so if one weren't was wanting to like begin connecting with the room how can we even begin to merge that connection right if someone has grown up so disconnected from their womb and you know viewing the maybe like even their menstrual cycle is something mm-hmm. kind of like shove a tampon and move on. How can even like that reconnection process begin in, in your eyes? Well, I feel like we have to understand what is quote unquote normal and mm-hmm. what has been told to us very early on. Like, oh, periods are just a pain in the ass and they're painful and we just live with it. And it's not, it's a shedding of the lining. It's a constant, um, every single month we have this death and rebirth in a metaphorical sense, the renewal, the rest and reset. Um, So you can see it like a phoenix rising. You can see it as this honor, but we aren't taught as young girls to see it as a sacred act. It's more of a shameful thing that's happening that we must hide and to literally plug it up. And it isn't normal to have pain now there might be a little discomfort because you know you have a uterus that's shedding the lining and it's pulsating of course but to have pain is not something that is okay so first we have to get to that knowing of okay the things i've been told and taught to believe about my body about the four phases and we're not taught those four phases anyways in school or usually with our parents, but, uh, and the way that we view birth as well, because that really does connect as as part of the process of how we view in different cultures birth. Um, Do we hide it? Do we medicate it? Do we make it medicalized? Is it a procedure? Is it an emergency? These all have to do with that. And when we go back to the very beginning of you know the 60s when birth control started coming online we see that there's so many uh, over the years side effects to birth control and things that happen with that as well and we have to really become honest with ourselves without shaming ourselves our past self for for doing what we knew to do you know wear tampons um take the mydol just suffer through the cramping, take the, you know, um, the, uh, an authentic hormone, you know, and it's like, that's, that was a normal at one time, but we have to come to that deep, deep question, internal asking of, okay, what just does not feel right anymore? And again, there's, there's no judgment coming from my end ever because I've done all those things. You know, I use the birth control. I had a very um, typical traumatic uh, birth in a hospital with Pitocin and epidural. And so I've had to learn the hard way in many rights, but it's forgiving ourselves, And then it's wanting to learn other ways, more holistic ways. And then seeing too, how our trauma and our emotions affect every single month, you know, how painful our menstruation is or um, how we feel about our body when it's going through that. Can you speak to that? The, yeah. um, like because I feel like a lot of people in me too for a really long time would experience like a lot of like pain you just think of it as normal right you think like oh like just this oh I have to just go grab my or people would even think of like PMS as normal when I feel like PMS is kind of like not being somewhat kind of in alignment in a way like because like you're trying to go against what your body is wanting so obviously you get frustrated right your body's like rest and you're like no I'm gonna get in a car and go do 500 things and then you get you get angry and you're because like you're going against that so in your experience when you see like pain or like those kinds of symptoms what have you seen that's been usually the root cause and how have you seen things shift as maybe some emotional or inner work is done well I'll just speak for my own personal path and 
you know, for me, menstruation was very painful to the point of, you know, even vomiting in my early teens. I started menstruating when I was 13. And when I was 16, 17, 18, that was the most painful experience. And I was really going against uh, myself. I was self-abandoning in relationship. I was extremely codependent. I was allowing someone to dictate how I felt about my body and my mood. And I was just in a very toxic relationship. I also wasn't addressing my father wound and how that made me feel and the abandonment and inner emotional turmoil that that was causing. So um, I really feel like that was manifesting in my womb and it was, it's going to purge in some way. It's going to manifest in some way that rage and that anger. And to me, it was just like, I just imagined my uterus, you know, this beautiful creation, just like pulsing and throbbing and like, are you going to pay attention? Like my body was like, listen to me. Uh, And then when I started doing things more for myself and I started not to self-abandon and find healthy outlets and ways of, of speaking to that, then that subsided. And whenever I was menstruating uh, and I started to learn how it was best to rest and with all the hormonal fluctuations that cause a lot of heat and it causes a lot of um, just being tired, then it forces us to rest. And in many cultures, not the Western culture, but in many cultures, you know, they would get together in red tent, indigenous cultures, and they would gather and the women would do absolutely nothing. And there was um, a knowing that that was a time to rest. So we go against that and we fight against that, like you said. And if we do that, it will just manifest in other ways, um, whether that be projecting and lashing out and anger and rage. Um, so it's best to to learn how to get a lot of rest and sleep during that time and really cater to our body and see it as an honoring. And so it's really beautiful because that movement is coming and moving forward and, you know, um, with using menstrual blood and talking about it in different ways and, and speaking of it as an honoring and a sacred act. And even what they're doing with Uh, menstrual blood medically you know they're creating stem cells from from the menstrual blood like it's it's very powerful and if you put it in your garden it grows the plants even better you know so it's not be it's it's coming from a place um that used to be taboo it's coming out of that place yeah, and, and I think like you spoke to already, like kind of the four cycles, which we'll, we'll talk about, about how like your body kind of innately gives you a time, like one of the weeks out of the four weeks, like, hey, here's a time for you to like rest, to really evaluate how you've been living the past. It's like this kind of built-in time to each month reflect on how you've been living the past few weeks, things that have been serving you and haven't to get rest, intuitive message and recharge. Like it's kind of beautiful how you're speaking to it and how in indigenous cultures, right, they would gather and you know share messages and you perhaps do other practices and rituals like it was like this monthly reset you know people love new moods because it's a time it's amazing it kind of gets you inspired each month for like a new cycle and it really is a cool symbol of rebirth right every month we have the new moon every month we have the full moon it's like this constant reminder that we're always creating something new and we're always releasing and for you know women I feel like it's even it's like kind of another added layer that if you can really understand those cycles and understand what that it's like life's kind of offering you a, a it's like we love the gift of when we feel energized which is usually during like our ovulation we feel so energized and bouncy and excited and we like love that and we want to always feel like that and I think that that's just like a a greater message of like how we as a culture right? we always wanted to be summer in a way like we always want the the climax of things um when we begin to understand like each kind of cycle and what most importantly when we begin to work our lives around that then that becomes really healing so do you want to kind of speak to those like four um seasons and even maybe the archetypes that they're associated like you know spring the maiden and the summer the kind of wild woman and those cycles that we go through uh in our month and even throughout the year Yeah, so 
when it comes to our menstrual cycle, so we'll start with that menstrual follicular ovulation luteal. And so we have the menstrual cycle, which really, uh, when we have a normal menstrual cycle that is uninterrupted, uh, meaning the less you actually put internal in you, the less you will bleed, the longer, um, the shorter amount of time. So if you, if you cease to put tampons or even a menstrual cup, and I know that a lot of women, including myself, have in the past used menstrual cups, so you can have that blood to use in your plants, or I know women who do art with their menstrual blood and such. So, um, but the less that you actually have forced within your body, the shorter amount of time you'll bleed. So the typical average is five days. So you've got that five day window and then you move um, into you know the follicular phase. So you've got this going within of the menstrual phase, you've got the shedding of the lining of the uterus, right? And then the follicular phase, it's starting to thicken back up. We're starting to um, gain more energy with our menstrual cycle. You're intuitive, you're tapped in. With the follicular phase, you're starting to get more out, more externalized. You're getting plans together. So we can see that more as like a, a blooming, a blossoming. You're coming back, right? And so then we have the ovulation, which is around day 14. And this is specifically um, speaking to 28-day cycles, which women's varies, right? Um, so you have the ovulation where that is the more outward, the more externalized, um, even the way that we attract people is different because of the shifts in hormones and we, we are really magnetic in that way. So it's definitely the creative time. And then you move into that, um, the luteal phase right after that ovulation. So then that's preparing once again for the shedding of the uterus, so it's the buildup. So I always see if, if I'm working with someone or even in myself, when they're in the luteal phase, I will see the buildup of what they aren't just, you know, gonna roll over and take. Like, I'm so sick of this shit, it ends, I'm cutting it, you know, <laughs> cutting it off. Um, so whether that be in partnership or at work or their own bullshit, their own habits, it really starts to come to a head um, because that's where imagine like you've got this dam, you know, at the, in the middle of a river, right. And there's a big flood and it starts to push on that dam and it creates pressure. So the, the thickening of the lining before the shedding is like about to burst it open. So we have this opportunity to say what we mean and mean what we say during that time. And, um, and so that's sort of that rebirth place. Um, and so, you know, I very much see the menstrual phase as the sage and the crone. And so the more that we can sit and be still and witness and observe and um, observe ourselves, you know, even in solitude or or being around other people that don't ask a lot about us, but more so being in solitude so we can observe our body and our thoughts and our wants and desires. And so if we would have been taught in childhood before menstruation and right at the beginning of menstruation, these phases and how to respond to our body in life, it would change the trajectory of how we view not only our physical body, and shame that we hold, in my opinion, uh, but what we attract in our lives, the friendships and partnerships and opportunities, I feel like would be so different. And so this is where we get to uh, teach younger girls this now. Yeah. And it's like really about that connection, right? It's like, if you don't know what's going on in your, 
in your body that of course you can feel like fear or frustration like if you're starting to feel tired out of nowhere or like you're saying I know like that phase right before people get their parents people are really snappy and they might think like what's wrong with me like thinking that something's wrong right thinking that you should always feel like the, how you feel during basically your ovulation and it's so funny in school I wrote a research paper on strippers and <laughs> that the income <laughs> and that basically strippers on average they did a lot of studies make more money when they're on their they're more attractive they attract more clients when they're ovulating and my, like my professor found it so fascinating but I was just so fascinated by like the subject that they studied them like thousands of them throughout different cycles and that there's a huge spike it was like a 500% spike so just showing how like magnetic we are when we're ovulating we're confident we have more energy right like also I know that even like pheromones right like the scent that we kind of like give off of mm -hmm. on our body is different during that time so it's like I think so like kind of understanding the importance of every cycle, right? Just like in seasons, we have, you know, winter, you know, spring, summer, fall, winter. It's like the same thing, like without the winter, like the going inward, kind of releasing, evaluating, then we wouldn't be able to come to spring with a new perspective. We would like stay the same, right? Like if we, when we don't acknowledge that time, like that mental time to go within, then we don't, it's like, we're just running forward like a snowball without like stopping. And then we don't change. And I feel like you know, quantum leaves or big shifts happen when we constantly, like you're saying, observe ourselves, like live a month and think, okay, like who was I? What's serving me? What's not? That's how we kind of allow ourselves to evolve. And it's like kind of this lie that we've like told ourselves that if we never stop to evaluate, if we keep moving forward, that that's the best way. But like we can see in nature and literally in ourselves, how rest and reevaluation re is like built in right like literally built into the structure of life like we see like you know flowers like die off in the winter and specific ones bloom like we have a tree in our backyard that will only bloom during the winter it's so fascinating and then in the opposite in the front of our eyes we have flowers that will only bloom in the spring how like there's clearly seasonal times for different things and when we don't honor that of course like we go against nature I think that we we really feel the repercussions of that, right? And people talk a lot about alignment. And I think for women, a very easy way to begin to live in alignment, right, is to begin to live within those cycles. So if you know that you're going to be uh, like ovulating, don't like, I mean, sorry, mentoring, don't plan travel, which is so funny. I have like a personal example. I like didn't listen to that and just was traveling while during the first two days of my period. It was so rough. I was like so exhausted around so many people on the plane. I was having a breakdown. I was like, if anyone <laughs> talks to me. So like when you go against that, you feel like that friction. And then when, when you honor that, like when you take a day to fully be menstruating, you immediately just like feel your body kind of click into place. So I just think that cycles, like when you honor your own cycles, you're able also to honor life cycles as well. You know, you trust divine timing more because you see how it plays out in yourself, right? Right. Yeah. And it comes to, and I'll speak when I, when you look at your astrological chart, your natal chart, taking it another step is so you see these phases, right? And you've got the four phases. And if you start at menstruation, I would say that that's like the winter uh, and then follicular is the spring, ovulation is the summer, and then the fall is the luteal phase. And that's the way I perceive it. And then thinking about the luteal phase being that more, okay, let's get sifting and sorting of what isn't working, how we're self-abandoning, how we're letting um, maybe another treat us. It's the fall of that, right? So um, I think that's really powerful and an easy way to remember it. And then when you go look at your natal chart, which is, you know, as you know, what I use and in, in working with individuals is the blueprint. We don't have to follow the blueprint, but when we are more and most aligned with it, life is a lot easier. It's uh, smoother. We get to see the shadow sides and um, we get to see where we excel in. And the womb specifically, I look at Scorpio placements right? So wherever your Scorpio is in your natal chart house or the eighth house. And then I also look at the cancer placement. So wherever cancer might sit on the cusper house, or that is the fourth house. And so, so reproduction system and sex and sensuality, that's Scorpio. And then chest, breast, stomach, but also what I see as the womb is cancer. So this is about 
how we come together in the union of ourself with uh, the metaphysical worlds, with money, with another human being or other human beings, and then how we nurture ourselves with cancer and our roots, our family values. And that's where we dive into familial trauma and what we might be carrying within our own wombs uh, that don't belong to us, you know, and that we get to end. And so ending the cycle. So for me, my cancer placement is the 10th house. And the 10th house in the midheaven is about career and purpose and the outer world. And so for me, my sensitivity to the way that I am perceived in the outer world can be very sensitive. And it might make me want to go crawl into my shell. So the inconsistencies within my womb uh, have a lot to do with that. And I know that. And the same with Scorpio. Um, and Scorpio is where my moon sits in the second house. So that has to do with my values and foundation and money. And so safety is really big for me when it comes to how I provide for myself and the safety that the monetary uh, brings forth. So if there's inconsistencies in that, my menstrual cycle will be off because I can typically know to the day and within a certain span of hours when I will start menstruating. And when that's off and when I do not feel stable, I can look at my chart and see what those represent for me and where that might influence the shifts within that. Because uh, every house represents something and then every sign rules body parts. So we can dive even further. And I have found by doing that, something that I call cosmic mapping um, and then adding on you know, seven year cycles to that, it is unbelievably accurate in scaling how we've manifested what we have in our lives what we carry, specifically speaking on the womb within there, that has to do with birth and illness, disease, miscarriage, anything to do with the womb. And uh, it's really powerful to learn that aspect of the as above, so below to our lives. When you talked about birth and it's something I'm like super curious about, I know like you know, in our world, right, it's like super normal to go to like a hospital and have like an epidural and everything like that, which is interesting because when I was born, my mom had me in Russia and there was no epidurals at the time, like there wasn't even an option. And she said it was like a super smooth and easy birth. But I always question like now, like what is that? What is, what would you say is like the, I don't say healthiest, but I don't even know what word to use it probably what's I don't even know is the word the best but what's what are other options I should say aside from like that hospital because that environment's really intense right I've seen friends like get or heard and seen videos of give birth in those places and it's so chaotic and they're like shouting and they're yelling at the woman and, and like she's like stressed and crying and like I think a lot of people are scared to have kids literally because of that that process so what are like other alternatives, right? Like I would, I'm even just curious, curious to hear about that. Cause I think a lot of people just view it as like, that's the only way. Cause it's all, it's like all we've been told. So it's all that's in our conscious mind. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's where we go back to our own mother and how we were born. And then if we've had children, our birth story, because that's going to influence uh, our lives and how we continue and how we are born is very important. So this topic I might sound a little bit dogmatic about it, but I'm going to be completely okay with that as we talk because <laughs> I have seen enough. I've experienced myself what the trauma of hospitals does. I worked in the realm of allopathic medicine for over a decade behind the scenes, marketing, professional liability, um, and I worked for an optometrist once. So I saw the other side. And then was living a double life at one point with going into more a metaphysical. Uh, my mom's an evolutionary astrologer. So then that's why I got into that form of astrology, then adding on medical astrology and then German new medicine. So for me, when a woman says, how can I go have a natural birth unassisted in a hospital? And I say, you can't, it is impossible. And I know that sounds dramatic, 
but I really do believe that from experience and watching it um, because of the way they have the protocol set up, because of the way that when you go in, they already have these protocols so they do not get sued and they're just worried about covering their ass and uh, they immediately go into, well, if your waters break, we have 24 hours and every hospital is different, but they have a protocol. They take you in, they hook you up, they start putting Pitocin in you and they just crank that up every hour. What is, what is Pitocin? I want to hear, I, I'm so like, I'm so curious to hear. I feel like a lot of people would be so interested in like what the protocol is. So you like come in, if your water is broken, they start, is that like to kind of slow it or to speed it up? Well, Pitocin is no matter what synthetic is being put into your body, um, it stimulates the uterus and it activates um, the contractions, but it's, okay. you know, it's non, it's inorganic. And so what that does is that it, it, it puts forward contractions that are 10 times worse. So once they start putting in Pitocin, it makes it almost impossible for someone to think that they can go in for a natural birth mm -hmm. and it is unbearable. So you already have contractions that are you know, pulsing and moving. So that has become a drip and it's now in hospital protocol to just have that, you know, administered and, and coming through as a part of their, okay, we're going to check you in, take you upstairs, and we're going to start um, putting you on the drip. So for me, I had to experience that. And I know I had when my mom had me, it was very, um, you know, identical with the forceps and going in and, and having Pitocin and having an epidural. And um, it's, like I said, it's something that there's an array of things that when you go into a hospital that you have no control of. Now, I have known of at least two women who've gone into hospitals and had natural birth and um, have been able to be successful in doing so. But the only reason um, that was is because of their personality, their forcefulness, and they already have that part of them that just says, no, you know, you will not touch my body. Uh, you will not check me because there are things that women do not know. And this is where if you are going to have a hospital birth, and again, do whatever you feel called to do know that hospital that you're going to specific policies, ask as many questions as you want to. And uh, if there's midwifery on site, that's a bonus. A lot of hospitals uh, have made it to where, you know, it's not even an option anymore because they've kicked the midwif midwives out. Um, so when we, speak on natural birth. It's just not designed for that. And it's very invasive in those environments. Uh, and then again, just not being on one's back and fighting gravity is, is important to be able to move around. And some of this, uh, I don't feel is even my opinion. I feel like it's just common sense at this point. And so I, again, have had a front row seat as a doula and I'm a what you call like a physiological birth worker. So physiological meaning trusting your body's ability to give birth. And so any healthy woman, healthy woman being a key term, can have a successful natural birth. And the fear that's been introduced in doing that at home or in birthing centers is a, a huge part of the problem that we're having to unravel from. But um, hospitals are some of the most dirty places that there is and, you know, full of things that you can, um, you know, get, so to speak, while in there. And so being at home and I suggest a midwife 
and uh, a doula and not being way far out in the country, having, of course, a hospital that's not too far just in case, but trusting in your body and in yourself. So going into a hospital uh, environment is something that isn't set up for the woman to really fully trust herself, even environmentally. It's dark, it's sterile, it's not pretty. The, a lot of times you'll be put in a room where there isn't even a window for natural lighting. And, you know, there's more female obstetricians than there ever has been in history. But the problem is, is that they're still continuing to be taught by the same rules and regulations and policies and procedures. So it's, it's women in the field, but they act in a more masculine way, if that makes sense. Like they're still following the protocol that even if you think that they're more nurturing or intuitive, but because they're in a job at the end of the day, they're still following, like you're saying, what they've kind of, what the script is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that's why I feel like I'm, I'm pretty dogmatic when it comes to it now. And I feel like if I'm going to be in birth work, you know, and, and assist women, then I'm, I'm not going back into the hospital setting because I know what kind of trauma that's creating. And I can't say that every hospital in the world is this way. I can't blanket it because I've never been to every hospital. But when it comes to the way that they function, it's more of a, you know, birth is an emergency to them. Mm-hmm. And trusting a woman to be in labor for days at a time isn't something they're comfortable with. And if your waters break, um, then they give you a window. But in history and for a very long time, women have gone days with their waters breaking. But they say that if it goes more than a certain amount of time, there's more risk for infection. Well, if you stop putting your hands in a woman over and over again, then there's less, there's less room for infection to happen. But they incessantly check you poke you, um, put needles in you, you know, do all types of testing. Um, And then if you wanna do things like delayed cord clamping or have the ability to say no to certain, um, like the vitamin K or any types of testing, they will try to intimidate you to um, not do those things. So again, you have to be prepared or have a partner or birth worker to be your voice. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, not in a disrespectful way, not going in and disrespectful, disrespecting nurses and doctors, but in a very stern, I I know what I want. I'm not swaying from this and I know my rights kind of way. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that the, it's been set up right to be so like you're saying traumatic, like that's the same thing. I always think of it. And I see people like, like you're saying in hospitals, no windows in a tiny room. And I'm like, you're already stressed, right? Like, why are they not set up to be like relaxing or have music or like, like, you know, that's such an intense time. I I don't even want to use the word intense, but it's, you know, it's a really, for a lot of people, it's a really huge time, obviously in their lives. And it's like, it's set up, like you're saying to be like this very, like, you think that you'd want to relax someone, right? Like when someone's having anxiety, right? We think to calm them down, like relax music. Yeah. When someone's stressed about their birthday, like rush them, they throw them, they put a bracelet on them. It's like, it's, you know, it's almost like you're saying like, what would the protocol would be if someone got strolled in on like, a, uh, you know, on an like emergency, you know, out of an emergency truck. So it's like, it creates this environment you know strong environment of fear and again like just like you said I can't speak to every single place in the entire world but a lot of people from what you see it's that kind of environment why do you think it's set up in that way right because we can't just say like oh it's just it's been like this for a a long time so you know how come there are no changes to that I know it's probably a completely bigger discussion but like why do you think it's set up in such a way like you're saying there's so much fear around like when you tell anyone like oh I want to have a birth I hope people are like are you crazy and I think that even doctors will instill that too I have a friend who's pregnant is due on May 20th and she was like telling her doctor like you know I really want to have a natural birth and doctor's like are you sure there's so many issues there's so many you know yeah. like and, and of course people people then it like that mother instinct comes in like oh I don't want to be selfish and risk something for the health of my kid kind of thing and I think that we see that 
that same propaganda of don't be selfish with a lot of other things in the medical world. And so it's clearly a really good like tactic. So why do you feel that that, that exists, right? Well, yeah, it's a really a whole other separate conversation for sure, because there's so many avenues, but to summon it up back in history, um, women in towns and villages that were the midwives and herbalists were the ones being hung and burned called witches. So once there was profit that could be involved, then men really took over the healthcare system and took over birth. Um, and there was, um, I can't remember which one it was, but King Louis the something, like 14th or something, um, he was the one that started uh, women laying on their back because he wanted to watch and witness. And so then that really took off. And there's just a lot of history when it comes to men just controlling women's bodies that is continuing as we see in politics, especially here in Oklahoma, as a law was just passed to ban abortion. So they're going along with um, Texas now. So it's um, men or other individuals, not just men um, now, but other individuals telling anyone what they can and can do with their body. And that's an issue. But to sum that up um, really simply when it comes to the hospital is that um, a hospital is a corporation. A hospital is a business and it's a, a money-making machine. So to go through the, you know, hiring a midwife during your pregnancy and having a midwife there with her assistant that is trained, that does know what she's doing, it costs you um, anywhere between $2,000 and $6,000, right? And a lot of insurances will not cover that. And that's for a reason too. Um, you go into the hospital and of course they cover a lot of it, but that is about fifteen to $25,000. So they're making a lot of money. They're making a lot of money when it comes to the synthetic oxytocin, which is Pitocin and uh, epidurals. You know? So anything they can do, um, whether it be a vaccination within the healthcare system or, or anything, it's just, it's, it's money influenced. And so it's not complicated at all. So we have to um, choose to opt out and we have to choose to either go to birthing centers that are I, um, specifically midwife ran. If you know any of those around, I would suggest going to those. And um, like I said, hiring a midwife. And even though it's out of pocket, that is money well spent in the long run. Um, but during pregnancy, we have to do our inner work. Like you're talking about the fear that's been induced for the last handful of decades of, you know, the OBGYNs that are telling women, well, you're just, you're gonna die or you're gonna kill your baby. Mm -hmm. um, and when we trust our body and when we can control our thoughts and mind and nervous system, then the physiological aspect comes in line. And it's very conducive of animals, right? So um, like a deer giving birth, right? What happens when a deer feels like there is a predator and there's a threat? Well, she shuts down all major organs for going into fight or flight. So adrenaline comes online and she gets up, she's in mid labor and she flees. As soon as she feels like she's in a safe space, that um, nervous system calms down, the shift uh, into uh, the different nervous systems, and that continuation of the uterus contracting happens. Humans aren't that way because we have memory and we hold things, and animals don't in that sense. So the deer isn't like, oh my God, but I'm still scared that predator might still be around. I can't go back into labor, right? So unconsciously, if we go into a hospital and we have not done that in our work, and I've seen this, um, then we contract inward. We don't want to even literally spread our legs. If a woman's had sexual trauma or trauma with her body, I've seen them have to literally force them to open her legs up to push their baby out. And that is a problem. And then whenever a nurse or a doctor 
them feel unsafe or makes them think about their abusive mother or something that they're not even thinking unconscious, contractions stop. So what you'll see a lot is that a woman is laboring and she's contracting and dilating the moment she steps foot in the hospital and feels unsafe, that stops. Mm -hmm. So once a woman stops progressing, then that's when they'll try to, okay, well, now it's time to take the synthetic oxytocin, pitocin. And so now it's time to push it forward. Okay, we've got, we've got to keep going, okay? And so that is a constant cycle and loop that we have to get out of. But if we're not willing as women to see that that is a problem, then we will just keep feeding the system right? So the abusers. So it's sort of like Munchausen's. We, be, we get comfortable and sympathetic to the abuser and we keep funneling our energy into it. Yeah. It's interesting because like even speaking to like birth control, like I never was on it because my mom was like, absolutely not. Like she's very much understanding and you know, it's so normal. Like I would have friends, I remember when I was younger, they'd have like acne and they just put them on birth control, like not looking at their diets first. Like, what are you eating? Like the stress, like, you know, so many influences that go to acne could be inflammation. Like there's literally a, a myriad of things of what it could be. The fact that it's so normal to be like, let's come just completely fuck with your hormones to clear your, your skin. Right. Like even yeah. example, when we, our bodies have such a high accuracy. For example, like I use an app where every day you take your temperature and you log it and it has, it's, it's called natural cycles. It's the only FDA approved contraceptive app because it's literally 99.99% accurate because it uses algorithms to see like when you're fertile, when you're not. And if it's not sure if you're not, it'll tell you like, like you pretend like be careful basically these days. And I, so, so ironic, the timing, I just ordered these strips that you put in your pee and it'll basically check when you're ovulating. So it'll get even more data on you. So it can know like so closely. So it's like, again, it's like that connection with your body. We're learned like just shove a tampon, take a pill. Don't think about it, go live your life. And I think that that, I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but then that leads to like people having, being intimate with partners that don't serve them at all. Like being like dissociated. Like it's like, it's like the mind, right. And the body become like two set, like two separate entities. When we begin to reconnect with our body right like you're saying it also holds a lot of memory so that can come up but the more we we reconnect with it like whether it's just knowing your cycles like taking your temperature something small like that just makes you feel so connected knowing like oh I know like what's going on in my body today like I understand what's happening it like brings you it brings you back I think that that's a really key aspect of if we want to say the feminine is that connection with our body and I think again this is another conversation but I think in our society like men are really feminized and women are masculinized it's kind of like an attack Um, yeah it's an attack on gender. And it's so funny. I, I just began my uh, course last night, Wet and Wealthy, and we spoke about this, how with every fall of any empire, they always attack gender. Like they're always, because that breaks up the family and it, it creates trauma in a society. And so like, it's so much of a greater issue, right? But when we begin to really just see, like you're saying from a young age, how girls aren't taught about their cycles, there's so much shame behind it. Like if anyone begins to like um, develop earlier, they get sexualized right away. Like it's like, there's so many layers to it, but ultimately I think one of the biggest layers is like, you're saying that disconnection, like shove a tampon, take a pill and like move on about with your life as if like nothing, no change is happening um, in your body. Right. Yeah. And so many unnecessary things that just feed fear for propaganda and to make money. And one big uh, one that comes to mind is Gardasil, you know? And so if you, it's the biggest um, lawsuit ever when it comes to our bodies and uh, the injection of Gardasil and the repercussions of that over time. And what that's is just that? a quick, What is it for? Gardasil. Um, Gardasil. Uh, was the medication introduced for preventing certain things, you know, and specifically like HPV, human papillomavirus. And um, so, but it was just premature where it's um, like, oh, well, every young girl needs to get this to to prevent herself from getting this thing. And um, I don't know about the United, outside of the United States, but I know majority, like a higher percentage of 
women have HPV than not in the United States. And it doesn't go away. Um, sometimes it does, it can, it can just not appear, um, but it reintroduces, um, you know, more of what they say anyways, the chance of having ovarian cancer. Um, so it was like a preventative that they wanted mm. to introduce. So it was a big uh, just marketing ad campaign and, and it took over a decade for women to have the, the issues. And now if you just Google it and look it up, it will blow your mind. So there are things that um, are so unnecessary, you know? And I remember someone talking to me once about young girls being taught about sex and their bodies. And, and I said, you know, what would be even better than birth control is if they learn their cycles and they learn how sacred their body was and that people didn't get to touch it unless they gave permission to that. And I remember that older woman, she was probably in her fifties or sixties and looking at me and telling me how naive I was. And I said, that might be so. And I'm not saying that this is just something that we have, you know, to do. Cause she was saying, well, they don't have self-control. Like, you know, you're, you're giving them too much of the benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, maybe you're not giving them enough. And maybe that's the problem, it, you know? Yeah. And self-respect, like, I think that, like, for kids, like, and for children, it's so important to learn because any issue that, like, later manifests always has a root. Like, there's some reason, like you're saying, like, there's some reason why, like, girls act out or boys act out, whatever it may be, and even, like, in the sexual space. And so, like, I think that if, like, a, a deep level of self-respect was ingrained into young girls, I think that a lot of those issues would be healed because it, because it kind of gives back that sovereignty it's no longer like I know what's best for you you don't know what you're doing I'm gonna go yeah. like I'm gonna tell you what to do and then they rebel and they're like I could do what I want with my body even if it's unhealthy but it's like giving them the the, the sovereignty with their body and also like at a certain level I just think it's also like it's important for parents to be educated and and like, uh, this is a whole other conversation, but you know, kids at certain ages shouldn't be making certain decisions. Like I know in California, I think this is, in my opinion, so wrong. Kids who are like six years old can say that they want to be on like, um, what's the word called? Like uh, on hormones, like to switch to like, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, like a six-year-old should, yeah. and even if the parent says no in their school, if they go to the nurse, they're allowed to like, I'm sorry, when I have a six-year-old, there is no fucking way that, that, no. that they are going to just make these kinds of decisions at that age. Or I think it's like a parent's responsibility to educate. And there's a difference between being controlling and a helicopter parent and also um, understanding the greater agenda and like protecting your child, right? Right. Yeah. And I like what you said earlier about having the conversation about collapsing civilizations will go after the family units and about gender and all that. That is, I mean, rampant in our history and cycles. And you can see that also in our own lineage cycles and our own, um, the astrological cycle of different countries, but, um, it has to, uh, in order for the new civilization to be created, the old has to collapse. It's almost impossible for an old uh, to collapse when there is the attachment to the gender and the identities and all those things in that way. So they create all these subdivisions almost in a like a race so that it won't collapse, right? And it has to. We have to. Um, move through, you know, being okay with whoever and whatever someone wants to call themselves and of course race and all these things. And we all have to see each other more on an equal plane. And the more they introduce labels and, and divisions and separation, it is very hard for us to come to that um, meeting ground. I feel like it's also a little bit of like almost the opposite too though. I feel like there's like also an attack on like on um like if 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 we can if like things were kind of made to be how to say it, more clear before and you create a lot of confusion like 
like this and I'm that like and just create like a lot of confusion in a society that that can be like really really detrimental too like if you have six-year-olds who can literally modify themselves in that way and say oh now I'm this now I'm like if you can create that kind of chaos in children right when their mind is so susceptible that also can like really be damaging to society too right so it's like it's like almost like using like what would be like a good like in theory it's like oh we just want everyone you know to like be accepted blah blah, blah. almost like playing on that to create like create chaos do you know what I mean like oh, using, yeah like, using like yeah. Using that's like a positive like oh we're just wanting everyone to feel included and loved but using that to create chaos to their to, to an advantage right so it's like in theory a lot of things can seem really positive right like on the outside but really are really yeah. detrimental like this is a whole other conversation but like communism for <clears throat> example right to a lot of people seems mm -hmm. like great but being Russian and like knowing from the my parents grew up like in the USSR like it's not good it's very damaging to society it creates so such deep issues like people don't even know right and on the outside it sounds like oh everyone's equal everyone's happy but like there's the amount I mean it's a whole like this could be a seven hour podcast on, yeah like, how, I know. how damaging that is so it's like I think uh, just in, it's like I guess it's a kind of a greater lesson right not to take things at face value people say oh here take a pill your periods will be better but like think of but then on the outside like you're saying how destructive it is oh a hospital is the safest place come here we we have doctors who are trained right like things that seem so Op, like seem like the best option on face value oftentimes it's really important to have that uh I don't know sovereignty of an individual to do our own research right not take things at face at face value I think that's just like the such an important like lesson especially with women right women are still already way more way less likely to I would say stand up for themselves or way more docile in general right so like for for women's bodies in that kind of space it's really important I think to really not just take things at face value and to really research deeper, right? Especially when like we see like men who are normally like kind of the leaders in a society being like really, really feminized too, right? If you can like make the people right. who usually stand up for you weak, then that also just opens those gates. So I think it's just like every little like microcosm has like a macrocosm. Yeah. Think things aren't as simple as like, oh, it's this way or it's this way. It's like, it's really beginning to understand like, top down what's occurring and why specific structures are in place and letting that and letting that get be be the information to draw our own conclusions you know yeah yeah it's a really good point too and the the paradox of it you know of um them wanting it to appear by the narrative of the media or these groups that no it's about accepting everyone but it's really just a ruse you know, like it's just a distraction. So we have to become so discerning of what's a distraction. And no matter what, what is propaganda and a distraction and lies will eventually come to light. It will surface, you know, and there are many that are right now even, but it, you know, the truth is a living, breathing being that will come up for air. And so when we do the work on our own nervous system, when we do our trauma work, when we address our womb, and specifically, again, when we're talking um, physiologically, our uterus and ovaries and menstruation and how we nurture and care for ourselves, we are unstoppable. When you are able to calm yourself down, to know what is your thoughts and what isn't, what is manipulative, how we have our own codependent ways, um, we are unstoppable. We are not easily manipulated. And so it's really important, in my opinion, right now to do this inner work, um, to learn about ourselves. And um, yeah, when it comes to astrology and the body, and these are just tools, you know, and we don't follow them like, well, this is what my astrology chart says. No, it doesn't work like that. But you spoke earlier about acne and using that as a way, uh, the birth control as a way of doing that. That's so common. And I'm in the business of number one, wanting women to have a physiological home birth with midwives and doulas for one, and then helping women get off of birth control and do it with um, diet, supplements, herbs, and doing the shadow work, doing the trauma work. But with Libra, where Libra is in our chart or Libra is the seventh house, that's the skin. 
And you think about facing yourself anew as a teenager. And of course, hormones are shifting as well, but the face is the first thing that people see and your face and your body is changing as a teenager. And so you have these blemishes and these things that are very noticeable on our face, right? And that's the relationship we have with the outer world and the inner world. And that is Libra. And so again, I just love uh, doing the, the mapping of the cycles and astrology and our wounds and, and dramatic things that have happened in these different cycles of our life and how they match. Because once you learn that, and once you know that, it changes the way we perceive our lives and it helps us to leave victimhood and martyrdom because that's really just what holds us in place for the ease of outside sources and entities like medical establishments, governmental institutions, and in relationships to manipulate us. It's, it's so perfect because the next thing I was going to literally ask you is like a full circle. I was going to say like, where can people find more of your work, connect with you and everything like that? Yeah. Um, so on Instagram, it's Venus underscore rising underscore. And then my website is brittt-johnson.com. I'll put that in the keynotes. I'll put that in the keynotes for everyone as well. So it's easy to take a look. And like you said, you do a variety of work. If you want to, if you want to share something that you're most excited about at the moment, feel free to share. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I work with just a handful of people one-on-one for two and three months. Um, and I, I don't do a lot at a time because I'm doing my own work with them too, because Mm -hmm. that's, I feel how it works and we're mirroring each other and we dive into a plethora of things. And then, um, of course I hold and have where you can go on my website and I hold astrology sessions that you can book straight from the website. Um, but right now I'm working on, uh, an online community because I hold retreats that are two days, you know, two nights, three days all over the United States for women where there's, um, somatic practices, astrology, sound, plant medicine, all in those weekends. But I really wanted to have a community that starts to move outside of Instagram and -hmm. social media. So this will be a place where there's instant access courses to learn astrology and entheogens, the plant medicine techniques, um, sitting with plants, et cetera, and birth work, motherhood, so more of a community um, with a monthly membership where it'll go from there. So I just intuitively feel like shifting more to an online platform and my website, and of course, still utilizing social media, but just it shifting and mm-hmm. not posting certain things on Instagram anymore, because I feel like with the censorship, with the different ways that's going to shift over the next year and couple years. You got to be careful. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. To, have this diff- to have this other place where I can just have forums on there where they're, you know, not policed and do the Zoom chats and live webinars on there. And just where the, you can just go get different types of courses and stuff like that. So. That's what I'm working on now. I have a a retreat uh, April 22nd to 25th in Asheville, North Carolina. And then I'll do another one at the end of May in Texas near Austin. So I've really been doing those once a month. And I really, really enjoy that work as well. So I'll have, I'll have everything that Brittany talked about. I'll have her website linked down below and her Instagram and everything like that. So if you are called, you can connect and work with her further. She's amazing. And I highly recommend her. Whenever I like sign off, I always ask um, my guests, what does unlimited abundance mean to you? And I love it because everyone answers so differently. It's like crazy. Uh, well, my view on abundance, the older I've gotten, I'll be 37 this year has dramatically changed and abundance to me is so much more simplistic 
It's mm-hmm. the uh, quality and not quantity of friendship and um, just a really unlimited to me as well means uninhibited or uncontained or I like to say audacious a lot or audacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just to really not have a limit on what I can manifest, what will arrive in my life and really just being open to things that I couldn't have planned for myself, but the universe is like, I got you. You don't know you want this thing, but you do. And it might be packaged differently. And um, so, yeah, it's just this, uh, this well that never dries. And I really do feel like I am always looked out for, even mm-hmm. in times where I'm like, oh shit, what am I doing? <laughs> do I even know what I'm doing? And it always works out. Just, just not how I feel like it might work out. So that's how I really, um, the surrendering of that feels just in that alignment of unlimited abundance in life and carry carry me to that wherever that may lead. <laughs> I love that. It's like, it's really crazy. Everyone says it's so like completely differently. So I always love asking that because I feel like it always leaves some like words of wisdom at the end. And so yeah. I wanted to say thank you so much for coming. I will have to do another one because there's so much like, because I feel like everything is so layered. It's really hard to have a discussion separate. Like it's very hard to like, let's just talk about this or like, and just because everything is like this, like web, you know, and you start talking about one thing and it's like, well, this is really highly influenced by this. So we can't really look at this without looking at this thing. And so we'll definitely have to do another episode, but it was such a pleasure to have you on whenever we talk time flies by. And I feel like this is such a really good conversation. just to open people's eyes to a lot of things whether that's the birth control the birthing like the womb space the cycles I just think that there were so many catalytic discussions and so it was so amazing to have you on are there any final words that you'd like to say uh I would just say that trust yourself more than ever and if you don't feel like you do now is a really beautiful time to reach out for mentorship and groups, whether they be online or in person and lean in to spaces and communities, ask for assistance. And that muscle will just keep building and growing. And I think that that's the most important now in the world is don't listen to what I have to say or Paulina or anybody, (laughs) you know, take what you feel resonates, leave the rest behind, but trust yourself. Yeah, and I think that any uh, good teacher or leader will always say, like, bring that back to, like, you know, like, if you resonate, amazing, but if not, I'm not, like, then then maybe there's something else, right? Not to say, like, yeah. my way my way is the only way, and if you don't resonate, you're just not there yet, <laughs> you know, kind yeah. of thing, like, like, we, it's like, I think in these times more than ever, it's really important to trust ourselves, that was so beautiful it's yeah, so hard for me to, to wrap th- things up that's just that my <laughs> shadow like whenever I'm out with friends like we'll be for lunch and then it's 8 p.m I just like cannot wrap things up for the life of me. So, <laughs> thank you everyone for joining today it was such an honor to have you and I will see you guys next week on unlimited abundance mm-hmm.